Due to popular demand, you can subscribe to Kiko's Freethinkers Forum on YouTube. You can watch all of our videos there on our YouTube platform. Now you can also subscribe and listen to any of our audio on Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Podvine, Podbean, Amazon, and different platforms. Please tell your friends and family, and I hope you enjoy your day, beautiful people. Good afternoon, beautiful people. I'm keeping all my content free of charge so there's complete transparency so everyone can get the benefit of all the information. This is a completely independent podcast, but any monetary support is greatly appreciated. Click the support this podcast link at the end of the episode description for more details. Now back to the show. Good morning, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Tico's Free Thinkers Forum, episode 37. And we're here in the presence of a very special guest. His name is Gavin Bonney, and he's running as an independent candidate for the Office of President of the United States in 2024. We're going to get to learn a lot about Mr. Bonney today um, and his views. Um, I was looking over his site some from b- before we got on the air, and um, I've followed him for a while on Twitter. And so I thought it would be appropriate to bring him on just to have um, more representation. I've reached out to other um, political parties and they have not responded. And so we have some independents on, in the field that are going to be participating in um, an independent forum for presidential um, candidates on this particular forum, Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum. And if um, Gavin agrees to that, um, he can be a part of that as well. And we're going to have that in the summer. But I want to say now, I appreciate you accepting the invitation. and Welcome to the show. Uh, oh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm just, I'm flattered that you went through my website and actually read it. Um, uh, you know, I, it's, it's, uh, it's, I started from the bottom. So uh, it's cool. It's cool to, to, to be noticed. Absolutely. Um, and that's what we try to do on the forum. Um, we're, we're legitimately independent. Um, no one gives us money. I haven't accepted any donations yet. Um, I really just want people's minds. I want us to engage with um, inquiring minds. And um, if people do want to send a donation, that's good. But I'm not going to really promote it anymore. Uh, I just uh, I think we're in such a time now to where we really have to start talking to each other and and trying to understand from each other and grow and and just stop being so compromised by money and money concerns. And um, because we still have our brains and and. Exactly. You can allow people to take that away or you cannot allow them to take it away. And so I try to platform people who have um, free thinking minds and um, maybe we can battle outside of this paradigm and we can grow something from the outside. And um, when you ran as an independent, I saw that on your site is one of the first things that sticks out before I clicked into your Google Doc. And I wanted to ask you um, what went into that decision to come to run as an independent? And um, can you give the audience just um, a little bit information into your background, a brief introduction? The reason I <clears throat> I chose to run independent really is because uh, I registered as an independent when I turned 18. As far as my background politically, I have never ran for office or anything before, but um, I've definitely always in the back of my mind 
been always kind of had my my ear to it you know kind of looked looked to it um and i i grew up watching stuff like uh john stewart and um and stand up comedy in the early in the early 2000s um and i was 13 when 911 happened and like when building 7 fell i guess is a good a good starting point i was 13 you know your frontal lobes fully developed at 13 years old and i just you know, I couldn't tell you exactly who did it, but um, I just, I knew it was bullshit, right? Like I saw Building 7 fall and I remember, I remember the newscast on CNN, um, the newscast on CNN, the, the, the lady, she said, she said, oh, Building 7 fell because of aftershocks, like an earthquake. That was, it was, it was like, you know, to kind of paraphrase it. And I remember because I had lived, you know, living, growing up on the West Coast, I've lived through an earthquake um, before I was 13. I was like, that's not how aftershocks work. The earth didn't shake. A plane flew into a building like, you know, and I'm a cynical teenager. So, you know, that that's that's kind of where it started, you know, and there's just like a always a little voice in the back of my head. And, and I kind of noticed through high school. Um, as they they start to teach you about politics and everything, I was always really attracted to the idea of like the center and what goes around comes around, right? So you have the left, the left and the right. I don't know if you're mirrored or whatever, um, but eventually it all comes back to anarchy or no government or fascism, like you know a single single leader. Every every form of government, everything. So. To me, that's why I remained independent because the two parties, well, we shouldn't even have the two party system. Uh, we were warned in the first place not to have a two party system. Mm -hmm. um, the world works the way it works, but uh, but that that's kind of that's why that's why I'm an independent. I've always just kind of the veal was removed kind of early and then through military service, I just kind of I saw things a little differently. I've always kind of been an introvert a little to myself, a little more of like, I guess, a sigma male instead of like an alpha or a beta or whatever the trendy stuff is. Um, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily always know that. Right. But that's just kind of always how I've been. And uh, so I got to go through the military and just kind of observe things. Um, I, I got hurt kind of early in my career. It was a little easier for me than other people will put it that way. <laughs> and, uh, but, <laughs> But, but I got to, uh, but I got to see, I got to see things like, like the money side of it and everything like that. Given, given some of the other things that I, you know, that I'm drawn to spiritually and politically. And as far as my viewpoints, that's, you know, why I remained independent, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's a really, honestly, it's a very fascinating way you described it. I've never heard it described that way, but you're hit on a point, um, when we think about these political spectrums, and I think we get so caught up in left and right paradigms, all these binaries and dichotomies, left, right, left, right. Yeah. What does that even mean anymore um, when you start to see just all these de events developing and well, you see whose interests they protect and whose interests they don't protect? And um, I think you kind of alluded to that when you talked about anarchy yeah. and fascism and, and that. Yeah, it, it's in, in the two-party system, you know, the, that whole idea there is polarization. And it's something that really upsets me, especially in recent years. Um, because what happens is you get people, 
instead of instead of like having a conservative and a liberal value if someone says something that is you know perceived as one or the other they all of a sudden they're in a box mm-hmm. and they all have to be that like you you said something liberal you love joe biden you said you love america you love donald trump and it's like i don't like either of those guys <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know? i they they're old uh they're out of touch they have enough money to just go play golf like why do they even need to be the president neither of them served in the military i think that's something that's lost with you know the type of government that the united states was born as um the president's supposed to kind of just be in charge of the military a little bit um and you know and and write you know sign bills and stuff like that but it's like it's all of a sudden it's like all your life's problems are because of the president and and everybody's just fighting for no reason and everything i mean as bad as inflation and all you know all the first world problems we have it's like gosh we have everything you we could possibly need in the united states if we were all a little if we had a little more grateful attitudes or or whatever um we we you know and just appreciated what we'd have we could build something way better than what we have now because what we're doing now is just stupid um in a lot of ways i mean it's just it's out of control and it's stupid and and it's like there's a lot of people that like don't necessarily have an opinion as to why it's stupid but they know it's stupid now (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. and it's and the average person can't uh can't just enjoy the opportunity to be alive because it's almost like debt's the the prison the gatekeeper right um and everyone is just stuck in debt and it makes them miserable and it's and it's sad because we have everything we need but we also don't Mm-hmm. You know, and then we're forced to buy things that we shouldn't have to buy or we shouldn't be buying or we could grow in our own yard. Um, and but we're stuck in this because because we're in such like a rat race, this vicious cycle. It's just it's too fast. It's like too much consumerism. Um, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're we're wasting away. We're getting depressed and we're going in debt. And, you know, we're not just sitting back and enjoying what we have. I 100 percent agree. And um you hit on two things too. Um, before we get a little bit into your background, like if you want to share that information, because I yeah. I sort of give each candidate a chance to kind of um you yeah. know to to see how you've explored this difficult world that we live in. But you alluded to two things, um, which are the limits of the presidency, um, really, the commander in chief, and endorsing stuff. Um, episode eight with Tyler King. We talk about how we put so much stress on the president, the president, the president. When you have a whole Congress and all this other stuff working um, together, yeah. and um, I would argue that the Congress has more power than the president does. We're working together to work against each other so that we all argue with each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Um, and I'll get to that in a second as far as like how you would um, – I guess how you um, view government and um, how you would try to work um, with different um, political affiliations and stuff to to promote different um, policies or whatnot. But um, what is your um, story like? What's what's a little bit into your backstory? You say that you're from Oregon. Um, like, how was um, growing up 
and you you mentioned 9-11 um that was a traumatic event for a lot of people but um yeah. uh, you do you come from a working class family like like what is your background oh uh, yeah i'm uh I, I i come from a working class family uh my dad retired out of blm my mom retired out of the post office my sister actually works for the either the forestry or blm now um I was in the Navy, so we've all served in the government um, in my immediate family um, or worked for the government. Um, I grew up uh, I grew up on a river. I didn't really grow up in a town. Um, there was a logging town really close by, Lyons, Oregon. Um, not a lot of people. I grew up with a mountain bike, went outside a lot rode around. I, I had pretty much, I mean, I had a perfect childhood and that's, that's part of the reason that I have this little voice in the back of my head telling me to do this is like, I would like for everybody to just have, have like, have the, uh, have the opportunity to do nothing like I had growing up. And people say, that's kind of funny, but it's like, you know, I, you know, I could sit under a tree and just watch, watch the river flow because that's where I grew up. And it was amazing. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, and I had to, I had to watch, uh, my, that house burnt down, uh, the house I grew up in burnt down in 2020 in the fires here in Oregon. Um, that was pretty exciting. Uh, 72, hours, the first 72 hours was amazing. I'll tell you what, uh, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> some, some things I should admit to doing on camera, <laughs> with beer but uh <laughs> oh man but um grew up on the west coast you know didn't have a hard childhood but i wasn't you know i wasn't we weren't affluent or anything like that um i played i played bass in high school uh in the jazz band i was the first chair bassist and actually i like bringing that up because what i learned from music um, because I played jazz, I learned music theory. And once you learn music theory, it kind of opens up your eyes to a different way of thinking and your approach to anything. Um, because you, you're building, like you have chords and you, and you build, you can build the same, you can build three or four different songs with the same chords. Right. And so that, that's something in my background that I think is really important, uh, for my thinking sorry my other phone's ringing <laughs> no you're good um i appreciate that um we need um we need innovation but i think it's not just um automation that we think of i think we need um the first innovation should start with the mind like i've always said that um on the forum and um and it sounds like you definitely right. have a free thought spirit about you and um and and I think we honestly need that for the country. We need someone that um, can break through these um, constant um, waves of just um, not, I don't even want to say propaganda. It's just um, negativity. Just the the yeah. way we dialogue with each other, communication. Um, we yeah. have some kind of sanity within that communication. Right, and and it's a, it's a very powerful tool. And if you get into some of the some of the more I'll call it some of the more hippy dippy stuff I believe and and just like the power of manufacturing consent it's the the negative there's just a way they they can negatively charge media it gets it gets your attention and it just 
there's a lot of science to it. Well, leave mm-hmm. it that. You 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 might even know more than me because I see that you're a doctor. So, <laughs> uh, I love. I wanted to say a couple of things before um your side or whatever because some of the stuff you mentioned already. I I want to know more about before we even get into some of your stances, um, which you've already discussed a few of them. Um, what is your view on the military being being a veteran yourself? Um, you say you served for the U.S. Navy. Um, yeah. What is your view on, um, I guess, do you see a purpose of the military? And what is that capacity of the purpose? And and what's your overall view of government? Um, well, I think we're at a point where there's so many people in the world that as much as I would like to just eliminate all government, we we would have we have to dampen it at the very least. In a newer, newer, brighter, more enlightened world, uh, you don't need a lot of government, right? But the, you do need checks and balances because people will get out of control. That's just part of the universe. You know what goes around comes around. One hand washes the other. Uh, they can't really exist without each other. The military itself, I you know, I think all nations should have a standing military. Um, I think we should use ours a lot differently than we do. Um, I think we've kind of been punching bag of the world and and maybe like NATO and the UN, kind of like we're the police. We always go and do all this stuff, and really it ends up all it really ends up helping is a lot of corporations and people that are just you know way above my pay grade (laughs) and uh um and it's kind of ridiculous and i've always kind of had thoughts you know being in the military you know without the military um especially the u.s military in the you know last hundred years we wouldn't have a lot of what we have i mean and there's i mean you get you say that even about the German military in World War II, there's a lot of technologies that were gained from all the evil, right? But I think in the future, you know, because I don't think we need to be fighting, you know, hand-to-hand combat with, with 8 billion people, you know, I don't think we need to be fighting hand-to-hand combat and shooting guns at each other. Uh, <laughs> I think we're a little smarter than that now. Um so the new military, you know, could be kind of transferred maybe more into like a government service thing. Because one thing I liked about military service, especially being enlisted starting at E1, is you go to boot camp, um, you know, for eight to 13 weeks, depending on your branch. And you're in a room with approximately 100 people, you know, for that time from all around the country. Um with all kinds of different viewpoints and all kinds of different versions of the same viewpoints. Um, and you learn through adversity, how to, to live with each other and how to be a team and how to be friends. And you always, when you're in the Navy, especially, um, you know, you have your Liberty buddies, right? So like you always have after your military service, you always have this instant friends wherever you go. Um, and I think that that's something we could take from the military, um, you know, in the future to create, you know, a, a more unified country because you, you do, you just, the camaraderie, uh, alone is worth all the pain. 
and just learning how to deal with people from from all backgrounds of life. There's no there's no military in the world that's as diverse as the U.S. military. Um, and I think that's something that's often overlooked. And I, I mean, I would as a president, I would I'd build a stronger military. I don't know if I would spend more money on it. Or I, you know, I wouldn't want to go to more wars. I want to, my, my whole thing would definitely be to get rid of these, these just stupid, endless proxy wars, you know, that I've been watching since I was a teenager. Um, like why? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. But when you look at something like the interstate system or the, you know, the highway system, uh, you know, those programs, you know, Eisenhower, uh, that, you know, that was designed for maintenance. And we're at a point where um, there's a lot of maintenance that hasn't been done on all these roads. And it's just like, gosh, you know, what if the military became that working force? And then, you know, you could open up the doors to so many more people because there'd be a lot less combat. Um, and then people, you know, they could serve their two to four years. Like if they didn't go to college, they could go to the military or this government service and help rebuild the infrastructure of the country. And, um, and then they come out paid because that's another thing about the military. Like if you go in as an officer, for example, you come out paid and with work experience instead of college, you come out a lot of times with debt, depending on your degree. Um, Dr. So, Dick right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, maybe a, a quick bounce over to the student debt and things like that. I think, um, I think, an, an obvious solution I kind of thought of for that is just you graduate high school at 18, you're an adult in the United States at 18, you get one interest-free loan for your schooling if you choose to go to a secondary school. I think that's a fair thing, right? That way you can pay it off eventually. I think because what I noticed with my friends in the military and like my sister and people who have college degrees who have like the federal loans is the difference between them, their debt and like my credit card debt is you can't default on that. And I actually had a roommate whose student debt went up while he was paying it off because of the payment that he had to, you know, he had agreed to at the time. And I think everything's taken care of now. But, um, but I mean, that's just ridiculous. You can't get ahead with that. You know, you're going to pay plenty of, when you, when you take out a loan from a bank for your car and your house, you're going to pay plenty of interest to the bank on that. And you're going to learn your lessons that way. Um, I think you should have the opportunity to take a loan out for school, but I also think you should have that opportunity to pay because it's interest free. That should give you the opportunity to pay it off. Even if you pay it off when you're 50 years old, finally, the last dollar, um, you know, that's a sense of accomplishment in itself. It's like, at least I, I paid that off. I paid off my education. I paid that thing off, you know, cause it's good for everyone to have some kind of goal. Right. And you can't just, eliminate all the debt like in, <laughs> in in a world that's already completely imbalanced and and where inflation is already out of control and inflation itself is not something you can stop ever you can slow it down but it's never going to stop and that doesn't mean that the the system is wrong it's just something you have to consider when you take out loans i guess that really should be kind of said to the government I get, I definitely, I've heard that more, that stance, and, um, and I respect that stance. Um, I, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I understand it. Um, I've, I've had some libertarians come on that have had 
of pretty yeah. similar stances when it because a lot of what you talk about on your site is um revolved around monetary policy, inflation, and um is that that's actually a good segue because I wanted to get into some of that um talk about monetary policy and stuff. But I wanted to say about your site is really interesting. You have a lot of pictures and a lot <laughs> of memes and everything else. Yeah. And um and it's a Google Doc, which because yeah. you, you have it linked to your Twitter, um, which is smart because you don't have to deal with the maintenance of a website right. and everything. But um it's yeah. interesting and the way you have it written out, just um I'm actually gonna read a couple of these um sentences out. But you were about to say something. Oh yeah. Um, well, one thing that's kind of funny about it is I actually, I I paid I, I paid for my domain name. I think I need to pay more money, but I it's you're supposed to be able to type it in just like the bonnieforpresident.com or whatever. Bring back my button. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, it only works when you click on the link, and I need to work that out. But um, oh, I see, I see. Anyway, but yeah, yeah. I I went with Google because, I mean, I I've used Google for a lot of things. So anyway, continue. <laughs> No, um, your site is interesting just um, because I was looking, I kept clicking around. I was like, well, because everyone else's sites is like they have all these um, bullet points and then they have just pages and pages and pages of information. But the thing I like about your site is that I can extract that information. We can build on it. And, and I kind of get a general idea of what you prioritize. Um, you have the First Amendment on here, like that's front center and then you talk a lot about monetary policy you have a whole section called the new deal um the first yeah. amendment i won't go through too much because i mean this forum is all about first amendment i mean yeah i think that's a pretty straightforward um stance but um i mean in these times i mean the first amendment has been under condemnation um yeah. uh, they they the censorship has only gotten stronger um over the years and i've told my audience that um that these are bipartisan agreements um, that has caused this censorship to, to increase in this surveillance, the Patriot Act, uh, the Telecommunications Act, all these mm -hmm. different laws that they passed. Um, and people just sit around like it just happened overnight. Yeah. I mean, but they're, they're doing this. They've been working towards more censorship. Yeah. yeah and that's something that like people my age, I, I, I'm a, I'm an eighties baby. So I'm a millennial, but I, I don't think us eighties babies kind of, I always feel like we're in a separate uh, mind thought from the millennials and the Gen X. A hundred percent. It it's it's a little different. And um, I was going to let me see. I wanted to read. Let's look at your, one of your first points under the New Deal category. You yeah. say socialized healthcare is not an evil concept. Implementation is crucial to execution. I've never understood why Obamacare manifested. The reason is because the New Deal gave us Medicare and Social Security. Medicare and Social Security were originally intended for all Americans experiencing hardship. If the nation wasn't caught in a runaway currency system, Social Security and Medicare should, would, could be in the black from all the taxes input since the New Deal. Medicare and Social Security have implemented correctly to replace the need for acquiring private insurance for healthcare. This would require doctors and pharmaceutical companies to operate with honesty and integrity. A pretty straightforward. I think that's a very a universal message that could reach lots of people. Yeah, and uh, right because 
well, actually what I was lost my train of thought on was about to say is I hate um, I hate redundancy in law and I and like the petty laws. It's just so silly to me. Like why why are you making all these? And I I simplify, 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 simplify. That's kind of keep it simple, stupid, the KISS method. That's that's kind of my approach at life because I'm kind of stupid, right? Like that's <laughs> <laughs> Um, it seem like that way to me at all um, having this conversation no I think you yeah. have some great ideas and um um I wanted I wanted to talk about the Medicare Social Security so where does this fall so so you inherently think that those are good things yeah right because because we're at a point in history and humanity where we are very civilized and there are a lot of us and we have a lot of creature comforts um so we can we can take care of the weak you know if you look at it from a biological standpoint i don't want to get too people too riled up but we can take <laughs> care of the, we can take care of the weak now um and there's no reason we shouldn't if we're doing things out of the good of our heart right um and and there's no should reason you know and there's but at the same time we should all you know do our fair share but we don't have it's just the rate we're at and and the proportion of who gets what is is what's wrong mm -hmm. so so where does that fall with um i kind of um i had issues with um the ubi and i i admit i still don't i haven't quite grasped the concept of ubi universal basic income yeah but um yeah i i haven't edited the site there for over a year and um ubi is kind of interesting universal basic income you know you look at i think i posted a link it talks about uh nero doing that in rome and mm -hmm. i think it's it's a slippery slope right like you need the you need the social security right you need the the medicare for times when people are unemployed um you know you know they get hurt etc cetera, etc cetera. But if if it's just so automatic, if it's too automatic, people as a whole might get too lazy, um, which could lead to other kinds of social problems like mass depression, um, you know, health issues, you know, because people aren't up up and working as much, um, which would lead to a lot more death and like you can't really buy a house anymore like you used to mm -hmm. like my parents would be boomers i guess um and you look at like what they paid for what they paid for the house we grew up in you could barely buy what's a mid-sized suv for a family now um and you'd be you know and you'd be on the hook for that for like 10 percent <laughs> you know um and, and it's just it's ridiculous because I mean, the automotive industry in itself, it's like, I love cars, but gosh, we built so many of them and too many of them. Like, do you need, need them every year? I mean, you can replace engines. There's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of things we could do. We could, we could look at a lot differently. Um, if I'm trailing off, let me know. <laughs> uh, no, but, but that, I think a lot of this stuff, what you're saying goes into um, the system has gotten out of control. Yeah. Um, 
yeah it's like we like i well like and like i was saying earlier we have everything we need right uh we're we're at that kind of point in history uh we don't need you know the problem with capitalism inherently is the consumerism right and Mm -hmm. so we've got the you know it's just just buy 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 and we're wasting so much stuff so much material good it's not that material things are bad but when you're you overusing them and throwing them away and and your life just becomes material excess to the point that you're overworking yourself to attain things you think you need you really don't uh, one of my favorite things i used to bring up to lyft and uber customers actually was if you don't like cars why would you drive a car and this is a big jam on the toyota prius and so sorry prius owners but like (laughs) the 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 toyota prius is a fundamentally flawed car because it's designed for people that don't like cars why would you buy a car if you don't like cars if you think that's what's killing the environment like do your part because if you don't like cars you probably you probably don't maintain cars right they don't take care of it i remember actually it was a toyota prius i i it's just so disgusting to me it was you know this wasn't even a 10 year old car this was in portland oregon it was growing mold and uh and moss on the sides and it's like one of those people that don't wash their cars because they're trying to save the environment it's like no you just you just rotted all these precious minerals into the ground you know and you paid like thirty thousand dollars for it like <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> And that was kind of also my way to get people to, you know, be my customers, repeat customers. Like, yeah, just pay for a Lyft or an Uber, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but, you know, it's just, and, and that's just like kind of the way I think and a way we can teach people to think maybe a little more like that, not all like that, but, um, and we can just, like I said, just do a lot better. Um, I agree. And, and that's something you said there about um, you, you're on the West Coast. And we talked about this in um, episode 35 with Tina Landis. Um, she's affiliated with the Party of Socialism and Liberation. And we talked about some of the environmental contradictions and a lot of the misconceptions that people have outside of the West Coast about the West Coast being such an eco-friendly, environmentally conscious area. But like you said, some of these same people they will buy $30,000 vehicles saying that they don't believe in polluting the air. But yeah. I think that's also put, that's also a false um, premise because it's really a societal issue. The climate right. is not one individual person causing People, climate problems. Right, exactly. And, and you can break down a lot of different sciences and, and, you know, with cars and they're not, they're not as bad as, as we, we, but i think what the what the issue is is it goes back to the consumerism is we just instead of people thinking like oh i don't like cars i don't need a car we have people thinking i need a car and i need that payment because that's the only way i can survive in the united states that's the only way i can get to my job that's the only way you know i have i have to have this and and that's just you know that's something we can just do better on um you know, and car salesmen, if they like their job, they're not going to like me, but, <laughs> <you know. laughs> but, but like, I, you know, I, I've always had, uh, you know, kind of junky cars, but, but I like nice cars too, usually with like the V8s and it's like, 
I always thought about like you see like an old classic C10 truck or or a Ford Mustang or a Camaro or a Corvette like um you know when people buy those cars and, and a pickup truck even if it's a pickup truck for work like a farm truck that that's a vehicle like yeah it's got the V8 and everybody's scared of the V8 well those are really efficient engines mechanically um but like those are vehicles people intend on keeping and handing down right when people buy like a Honda Civic or a Toyota Corolla or a Toyota Prius, you know, or an economy car, they just, they plan on leasing it for like five years and getting another one or throwing it away. Right. And that's, so to me, it's just like, I just, I think the economy car is kind of worthless. You know, you know, you get an old pickup truck, you get a pickup truck with a good frame. And if you can get off your butt, and you're a little more mechanically inclined than me, you can just put new engines in it for the life of the truck. You can put new brakes on it later. You know, you look at, you look at stuff like, like the SEMA car shows and stuff like that. Um, and you kind of look at it a little more abstractly, you know, hot rodding is actually some of the best recycling in the world because we're just rebuilding all these cars and we're making them better. Uh, and they're more efficient and they just, and they just use the same old technologies, you know, and they're not, you know, some, some of them have, some of them have more EPA stuff because of the era they were in. Some don't, but uh, when people are building the same car or rebuilding the same car, I feel like they're they're more part of the solution in a lot of ways because they're also thinking a lot more creatively. But that's that's part of the solution, right? Is thinking like that, and it's not just cars. There's other things we can restore, but I'm car minded, so that's how I'm gonna use my example you that's what i'm gonna use for examples a lot of times. no i get i get what you're saying um and 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 i urge my listeners again to if you haven't listened to the episode um a recent episode episode 35 with tina landis her book climate solutions beyond capitalism i think is a must read it's a very short read i read it in about three hours and it just has a lot of data and it sort of debunks a lot of these misconceptions about how we can't reverse climate change we can do it really quickly it's just um we have people tied to the fossil fuel industry and everything else and these oil companies and stuff and so they don't have any reason to um want to change anything because they're tied to the money well and another thing that i i've always brought up with with alternative fuels and things like that is there's no reason to just get rid of all the oil right like because it's good technology and you know everything in moderation um it is it's it takes the cycles a lot longer it is technically a renewable resource but it's you know millions of years um and and it burns clean and you know with with a lower population and more trees you can make an argument that the carbon doesn't you know it's offset a little bit more mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of ways you go with it but the big thing is um what what i'm getting at is is the the moderation everything in moderation so if we if only 10% of cars were e100 alcohol right ethanol like no 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 gas mixed in it at all like and and that's better for tuning if 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 your engine runs on either gas or alcohol right but that's what's cool about the internal combustion engine we don't have to get rid of it it's great technology we can make oil out of all kinds of plants we can keep using oil out of the ground um 10% of cars are ethanol and 10% of cars on the road now are electric, right? And and then and then 80%. The, the difference between now, where it's probably still like 90, 
you know, 90, 95, 99% gas, like just that 20% being an alternative fuel and electric cars is going to make a huge difference in the air quality. Because the other thing you have to consider, like with the electric cars is like batteries and electronics are their own, um, they're their own waste problem. Um, there, I remember studies from the late nineties and early two thousands as a kid, a teenager, a young adult, um, talking about how, uh, just personal computer, personal computers and cell phones alone, the, the litter just, just from throwing them away by like 2010 was supposed to eclipse, you know, you know, fossil fuel damage to the world, you know, and that's 13 years ago. So, um, so you don't want to necessarily just go, I think if you went all electric cars, you'd create the same problem that you have with all oil cars, 100%. right? You're, you're now you're, now you're, 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 uh, what are you, you're stressing this resource, you know, to its max. Um, so it's, it's all about moderation and, and just critical thinking. And, and that way we can all enjoy these technologies we have, and we don't have to bicker about who's, who's destroying what if we all have the knowledge of how our stuff works and how to take care of it and then you know no reason we can't do that that's that's kind of my thought i i want to tell my audience too that what i read earlier about medicare and social security i'm about to read something else this is yeah. all from gavin bonnie's website um bring back my bonnie for prez.com but it's through his twitter page um that's how we found each other. But I wanted to read a part here um, about UBI, and we can kind of, I guess, problematize yes. this. Um, but I want my audience to get this information. Um, Gavin writes, a universal basic income would be dangerous for humanity by most accounts. Welfare is described by FDR as a subtle destroyer, destroyer of the human spirit. Universal basic income is the penultimate version of welfare. The solution to our income woes lies in the reform of how we determine wages and the value of the dollar. With autonomy on the rise, creating a shortage of manual labor work, more autonomy, I guess you mean automation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, more humans will have to turn to some form of service industry to fulfill the void and find purpose in their lives. They also cannot commit their time to serving others if their wages do not provide enough income to cover their basic expenses like housing and food. There are probably more empty homes and apartments in America than there are homeless people. And the reason that is, is because our monetary system and government administrations have failed us. So many homeless and unemployed Americans are willing to work and want something to do with their day, but the wages do not justify the effort to show up. So many homeless Americans living in cars are employed with great wages, but one forgivable mistake in this fragile economy and social environment is all it takes to end up sleeping on the streets in the United States of America. That last point is the reason why I was like, wouldn't there be an argument for UBI for that precisely for that reason that you can have a good job, but just all of a sudden it can just come crumbling down? Right. And, and that's, and that's where, you know, like I said, I, I, I go back and forth a little bit with it because, you know, you do have people on disability, but if it's, if stuff was affordable in the first place, so, mm -hmm. right. 
Like if you owned your house before you were 35 years old and you lost your job, you could maybe survive for a couple of weeks or it would be, it would be a lot easier to do something silly like DoorDash or go be a waiter, right. To, to take care, you know, to at least keep your house stocked with food and things like that. Um, but right now we're just, we're so, we're so stressed out. Every, every second of our day is, is so accounted for. And the amount we're like our time itself isn't being compensated, you know, really fairly. Mm -hmm. Um, so one, one way I, uh, I've, I've kind of thought of, and I talked to my friend about it and I'm not really sure how you'd implement it, but it's like, you know, you think about like the gold standard and, and like how we do banking now is like, if you somehow made people's time worth, you know, if you, if you measured the time so that, that people were all paid the same based on time, because that's, what's valuable. Kind of like how gold used to be. That was what was valuable. That's what made your dollar valuable. Well, what needs to make our dollar valuable is our time because that's all we have. Like that's all any of us have is our time. And so if we're wasting our time at a job that's unfulfilling versus at least getting enough to pursue our hobbies, people will be a lot happier. <laughs> and that's that's a good thing. Interesting. Um and you can make the argument that you, if you want to make money in that free time, you could, if you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's why I'm not saying get a, get rid of pay scales, like, um, but make, make it so that the minimum wage actually covers, you know, a, a, a decent life. So you're not embarrassed when you go out or too embarrassed to go out or have people to your house or, or anything like that, you know, um, because yeah sure if someone someone is more intelligent and doing something that takes more skill they you know they deserve a little bit more compensation for it but anyone who's willing to use their time to do something for you should be compensated at least enough that they can go live their their individual life like, mm -hmm. duh like i mean <laughs> right <laughs> But what you said then made um, is interesting about you mentioned the gold standard and you had that on there. All this stuff caught my attention while I was reading your site. Like I said, it's not a lot of information to sort of like overload you, but I get the general idea of where you're coming from. Yeah. Just when you talked about Nixon getting us off the gold standard um, and we basically just got stuff backed by what government bonds. And yeah. 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 And, and, and it's like, and it, it's, it's, it's all really boring stuff. Some of it, it's, it's so dumb. And like my, my kind of theory, I guess, I guess it would be a theory is that when, you know, going to the government bonds, they're, they're really just war bonds. Right. And so you have a lot of our currency is backed by our ability to make war and, yep. and a lot of countries buy that. And that's why, you know, kind of why we have to keep doing things like like the f-35 like maybe i shouldn't talk about this maybe i should i don't know uh i'm free <laughs> now but i got a dd-214 but i remember it was just i mean there's so many hiccups but i mean this is true with all planes and technology i mean you're trying to fly man wasn't meant to fly but the f-35 was just so expensive and i remember 
witnessing these things and I was just like gosh you know like why don't you just keep building F-18s of course and Russia has a better jet and now China's got better jets and I was like oh, I got better jets or whatever you know <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but the but it was just like gosh it's so much a waste of money and, and a big part of the F-35 too is so many countries invested in it is we almost did try to just almost go a different direction um, but there were so many other countries that had invested in it too um, it's like gosh there's just so much money on um, oh and I got a good segue for this but it's just so much money on something that's uh, meant to destroy life uh, <laughs> and that's <laughs> You know, it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. Um, you know, the people that work on those jets don't even make make enough money to buy, you know, for the most part, like a Corvette. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, E one E one through E five. You know, before you get your BAH, you know, you're working on the jets. You know, she has. There's people that do more and less, but. Like, uh, you can't, you, your, your salary, if you're living in the barracks and you're not deployed or anything is under $30,000 a year you can't go buy a Corvette on that. Like you can hardly even buy food. You can't buy a house with that. You can't, you know, of course you're in the military and you got other stuff provided for you otherwise, but, um, so that's ridiculous. But when you look at it, like there's a lot of people working for that much money and it's, and they have to pay their rent you know mm-hmm. and and it's like they really can't buy a corvette you know <laughs> well they can but they just become debt slaves yeah exactly mm-hmm. and that's yeah. not the point of a corvette corvettes are fun you know have you ever driven a corvette no i haven't <laughs> I've, I've driven i've driven a couple now I, i've got one at home um uh they're great cars that's i think it's the best american product ever built um, mm-hmm you know yeah and sure sure it's it's niche because it's a sports car but i mean as far as all the things that come out of the united states that's yeah that's come on it's the corvette chevy corvette yeah, give it give it its flowers it's cool <laughs> it's, it's america's sports car <laughs> so so i so that's that's cool so you're kind of um i won't say you're on the fence about ubi like you obviously have a view about it but you're um you're you're versatile enough to like definitely consider you mentioned disability like you have you you recognize if you open up programs like disability and unemployment so that they're easier to attain and more you know and more rationally legislated i guess uh your ubi your necessity for ubi i would think would diminish Mm -hmm. Uh, you know because there's a lot of people with like i have nagging injuries um, that's that's why it's been hard for me to keep kind of some of the jobs I'm used to having is because I can't work 12 hours without being so sore I can't move the next day mm-hmm. um, and that's that's just you know we don't need people feeling like that all the time you know uh, if people are hurt but they're still willing to work you know we should work with them not against them so. And so, so you said something um, earlier, you, because we talked about student debt a little bit, and you said you didn't seem to be um, pro like um, elimination of student debt, but you emphasize like responsibility because you know you're taking out a loan beforehand. 
But um, yeah. with regards to UBI and the non-necessity of it, um, do you think that the government should provide some basic services um, to avoid even having a UBI? A UBI, and what would those services be if, if you do agree with that? The the big one would just be Medicare, just making medic Medicare and going to the doctor accessible for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and and so that the doctors are are still compensated. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing. There's a lot of people in medical debt and a lot of people that struggle with their jobs because they're hurt. And then because they're hurt, they have to pay for physical therapy and different insurances don't cover this or that. So you pay half of this or that. And so the biggest the biggest thing that would help negate the necessity of a UBI along with you know, making those other things easier is uh, Medicare, um, making and just making making medicine make sense, making going to the doctor make sense. You fall off your bike, you're bleeding a little too much. You go to the doctor, you go to the ER, you get taken care of, you go home, you don't get, you know, a six thousand dollar bill later in the mail. And, and you know, that's stupid. <laughs> it's just mm -hmm. stupid. Um, and and you said something about um, the minimum wage, and I'm kind of torn on minimum wage. I, I think there's too much emphasis on it personally, um, because yeah. the minimum wage is almost a mute point if you, if we continue going down the road we're going with this, um, uh, the way our dollar is. Um, yeah. I mean, well, it's like all, there's really no point. I mean, you can raise it to a hundred dollars. I mean, if you get so yeah, inflated, exactly. I mean, like, what's going to be the pur purpose? Exactly. And that's what I was talking about earlier with inflation. It, it never goes away. You can just slow it down. And But like, well, and that's why with minimum wage, it, there's a saying, a uh, buddy I worked with on helicopters, he said, uh, if the minimum wasn't good enough, it wouldn't be the minimum. The problem with minimum wage is it isn't good enough. Mm -hmm. So you just need to find where that balance is to make minimum wage good enough. Interesting. Mm. I had a question about um, the relationship between AI and, and um, universal basic income, because you did mention earlier um, in your description here on your site about um, the propensity maybe of people becoming lazy if they are provided yeah. a universal basic income. Uh, my friend Ben Sadegafar, who's going to come on the show again in a couple of weeks, um, he was on episode three. And we talked some about automation and AIs, but um, this came up in conversation a few weeks ago. Um, where do you see AI with regards to this um, universal basic income? Would AI create a society? Ideally, if I don't think it's going to ever get on that scale, but let's just say hypothetically the AI grows like immensely, immensely to the point where it takes away jobs from people. Would that um, require some sort of a conversation for everyone at that point if it's taking jobs away from people? It would kind of depend on how many jobs because you also, with AI, now I, and my, some, my, my personal views with AI are a little conservative. I don't think we should go too far. Okay. But, um, um, but it's going to happen. <laughs> um, so, but with AI, there's, Sure, there's going to be jobs taken away, but there's still going to be a need for maintenance. Um, that's that's 
that's where that's technology's weakness, right? Someone has to build it. Someone has to maintain it. Mm. So there's still going to be a use for people in that regard. Um, like I said, and yeah, it, I mean, obviously it's going to people are, you know, people are like, well, you don't need us. It's like, well, but also you need to find something else to do. But then another part of it is, is as we consume less, we don't need as much money. And if we don't need as much money, we don't need to work as much. And if we own our house, we don't have to work as much. And then maybe, maybe there is a point, you know, in like a super utopia where the, you could have a universal basic income and people don't get lazy. But where I'm at in my evolution and the way I see things, I think that, uh, you know, we were, we were made to work, but working doesn't necessarily mean being a slave, right? Mm -hmm. Working can be fun. It can be doing something. I, I work out a lot. I'm a, I'm a, I'm definitely one of those, my body is my temple people. I'm in the gym, you know, five, six days a week. Um, a lot of physical therapy and a lot of bodybuilding. Um, and and so it's it's just funny because like I'm burnt out on a lot of things, you know, with, with you know, personal depression as far as money and in, in the world itself. But like, if you say I'm not a hard worker, it's like, there's a lot of people who'd be like, well, go to the gym with him. <laughs> you know because <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, I'll I can work you know that's not right. the problem <laughs> oh, I I can work. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people you know and that's why you know I don't professional athletes that that want big money I don't hate them for it they're like they're not even asking compared to like the real rich people the wealthy people they're not even asking for that much money and and you know and the whole the whole argument that people make you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, conservative liberal, uh, point there, the pick yourself up by the bootstraps and do it. It's like, well, if you think an athlete's getting paid too much money, why don't you just go to the gym and learn how to shoot a ball or throw a ball or, you know, <laughs> you know, so I, I, you know, do I have my, also my opinions of certain players, if they're worth a, a certain amount, of course, but I don't, I don't think athletes are overpaid in that regard in that you know that's their body they took very good care of their body it's a lot of work to maintain your body at that level and people should strive to maintain their body at those levels and p other people that do you know stay like that like people that go to school and become doctors and things like that you know like once once they get out of their student debt you know there's a lot of them that aren't that much poorer probably even richer than a lot of athletes because their career is just so much longer too mm. um yeah I, I can i can go on ramble about bodies in a lot of different directions um no um no that's no that's cool because these ideas are still there it, it also it goes into what you said earlier um the way you think it, the critical thinking um making these comparisons and stuff putting things into context i think that message resonates with a lot of people. Um, yeah. Regardless of whatever analogy you use, um, I you do have some funny stuff on your site <laughs> on the, that listed. <laughs> you have here. Um, I earned this crow. Jim Joe Biden can never earn this crow. Donald Trump can never earn this crow. No That's former right. president can earn this crow. And um, I'm sorry when when I saw that, I was. Because I make the joke Jim Crow Joe all the time. Yeah. I don't know if that's what that was about, but yeah. I just um, 
I died laughing when I saw him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're basically, it's almost like you're trolling the, the president. Well, it, it is, though. I, I, you know, I was enlisted. I, I earned to be a second class petty officer, to be any E1, E1 through E9, E10. I think there's E10 in a couple branches, maybe. Um, you have to be enlisted. And to be a chief warrant officer, you have to be enlisted. Um, to be an officer, you don't have to be enlisted. But once you're an officer or a president, something that ranks over, um, you can't go back. Right. So I think there's a lot of pride and there's a lot and a lot of people who were enlisted and people who went enlisted to officer all share this pride. It's, it's definitely and it's something that I, I would hope if, if my campaign did take off, I would hope would be one of my strengths is that you do have to be enlisted. You have to start from the bottom. Uh, and that's something that I don't think a lot of presidents have uh, had to do for a while. Mm. Uh, I I agree with that. No, um, yeah. I I was thinking just the people I've interviewed. I think a lot of people in this country is reflective of the society, and I don't understand why people like just reading your site. I mean, you have very sensible views, um, and there's so many people running for office. That's nothing. The visibility aspect is something yeah. that frustrates me like crazy, and um. That going to like one of the two final questions I have for you, but um, there's so many people, um, audience and everyone else running for president of the United States. There's thousands of people that are running, but again, um, how are those ideas ever going to be recognized and acknowledged if um, you know, the powers that be decide not to talk about it? Um, sure, you oh, can find yeah. the NPC, but um, well, you know, and like someone like me. You know, I, I experienced it in the military that the, the type of people I get attention from, you know, it it's it's harder for me because of the way I think to get that. Like, that's why I think part of the reason my domain name is kind of screwed up. Right. Because I can't just go tell people type this in because each time I do it, it, it shows up. But if I send them the physical link, that's why I put it up on my Twitter. Or if I text you like I can text you the link, I can message you the link. Um, but for some reason, you can't just type in the domain name, which I paid the twelve or thirteen dollars for. Woo! You know, um, and it doesn't come up. Um, but I think also, if I read the fine print, I probably would just run into no. We just want more money, uh, which I don't have. <laughs> you know? Well, you hear something there because I was thinking before the interview, and this is how. I mean, honestly, I've told people this before. I go to Ballotpedia. And that's how I've been able to find anyone running for any public office. You go to Ballotpedia. Yeah. If it was for Ballotpedia, I wouldn't know anyone running for office, really, because unless just the people who the mainstream promote. But um, if you type in Gavin Bonnie at Google, they can set up, set up the algorithm any way they want. You would think under a real system, I can type my name in, and my name comes up in the algorithm in certain situations. Yeah. But that just shows you right there how all this stuff is manipulated, even from the technology is manipulated, yep. just visualizing people. And um, exactly. if someone's for president, you should be able to type in their name, independent, that name in the party. And in a lot of cases, it still doesn't even come up in the first few links. Um, and, yeah. and that's a travesty. Yeah, it really is. I, um, you know, and in an older internet, you might actually find my website. I'd say it, 
10, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Uh, you you would pro at least at least a couple pages down, but I'm sure if you typed my name, I think I've typed my name in, and ever since I got arrested for street racing when I was 20, that left my record oh, almost 10 years ago itself, actually more. Uh, you know, I'm not even the first Gavin Bonnie that comes up. Period. Like if you're like doing like a Facebook search, there's a bunch of Brits with my name, I guess. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. We're, a lot of us are into cars, though. I think that's pretty cool. It's like, yeah, the Gavin Bonnies are into cars. All right. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but um, yeah, and, and yeah, that is that is a travesty, especially when you look at you know something like this this idea that voting is is our is our super right in the United States. Like this is how we all make a difference, right? But when we can't hear these other voices because even if someone like me doesn't win, if I don't get on the TV, you know, say I do get on the TV, right? You know, whoever does win might steal my ideas, right? Which, you know, you might grumble to yourself, like, ah, I was, I was going to do that. But at the same time, like, if this is what you're doing and what you're trying to do um, and someone else does it after you lost, at least it was done, right? Um, <laughs> but those ideas don't even get out there. Right, the 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 competition doesn't have to compete. A hundred percent. And to go to your point, and I wasn't even going to bring this up. I may have mentioned this a few times off camera with people about this, um, because you hear people all the time say that they're anti corporate media. They don't want to watch the t stuff on television anymore. They they want to go outside the New York Times and outside the Wall Street Journal. So almost have to though, so you can yeah. read between the lines. Yeah, but I was going to say what you just said then, these so-called independent bread tube YouTube channels, yeah, what they do, they do like what a lot of these comedians are doing. Like they, these comedians get big and they get to this certain level, but you have your local comic and then you have people going in and stealing the local comics jokes. So how do yeah. you have any way of tracking that evidence? And the same thing is going with YouTube and I'm not even going to call out people. Um, I just think that there's a lack of originality, even in independent media, a lot of times. Uh, there's a copycat um, phase going on, and these yeah. so-called independent channels are almost par parroting the mainstream media. So if you're an independent channel, why are you so focused on the mainstream media? Like, if you look at my channel, we talk yeah. about very deep issues. But the people yeah, like you're, Jimmy Dwarves of the you're world, not, and you're not, did you're not the Daily Show, right? Yeah, you're not the Daily Show. Don't attack the other channels, right? That was that. That's always what I loved about it when John Stewart created. Is, is it was he was like the attack on all of it. So like, <laughs> yeah, I like what you're saying. Is like you're not. That's not your job. You're, you're if you're trying to come out with with other ideas as an independent thinker, just replaying something and then kind of respinning it. Yeah, it, it gets dull after a while, and eventually people are just saying saying the same thing, and it sucks. <laughs> but but it grows subscribers, and, and I've seen right. this, and like I said, and I know I have people that follow me that love Jimmy Dore. They think Jimmy Dore is like yeah. the king of the world, and they think that Joe Rogan is the king of the world, and I have yeah. nothing against those guys at all. Um, I would actually argue that Joe Rogan kind of set the template, and Jimmy Dore I always liked him as a comedian back in the day. Mm -hmm. I thought he was hilarious, and and I've had uh, I actually emailed his show the when I first made the site a while back I I emailed it to his show but only once, but um, I I 
I don't watch his podcast that much, but people would come back to me and be like, you sound like Joe Rogan. And I'm like, I got, you know, there's only so many viewpoints in the world, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's yeah. why it sticks because it reflects the undertone yeah. of a lot of everyday Americans. Um, yeah. But I did want to ask you about um, the visibility aspect of your campaign. Um, do you plan on expanding with visibility? Like, do you have a team in place or the ambitions for that? Because it's still relatively well, early in the process. Yeah, it's it's still early in the process. And I'm kind of hoping like with this being basically my first interview, um, I I need I do I need a team. I know there's no way I can do it without a team. And I think with, you know, the, where where I'm at in my life, what I need is outside influence, outside people, people like you who don't know me to start to show some support somehow and, and kind of get the ball rolling. Because then my people that are close to me will start to come out of the woodwork. But they're, you know, they're my friends. So they're kind of looking at this very skeptically, um, you know, because they also know, you know, the hardships I'm going through and things like that, mm -hmm. you know, the other side of my life. But, um, yeah, that's as far as visibility, that's this is part of that process. Is it, and I, I do need a team and I need people to be interested who or you know quicker at scanning through legislation and quick quicker at understanding administrative type things um because what i'm doing basically right now as far as security administrative stuff, stuff is i'm the only person at all on any of it i'm i'm the campaign manager i'm um that way um i've only gotten five dollars so far one guy on the internet we're joking I'm around on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know i i i'm not I'm not a very good uh, beggar for money here, uh, but I, I mean, I need it to, to do this. And, and I have ideas, um, you know, I have some humorous ideas for like campaign commercials. I also have serious ideas. I like to, uh, I'd like to keep, keep it upbeat and a little bit humorous because some of, some of the viewpoints and some of the rabbit holes that I go down are a little, a little extreme. And I don't think that people shouldn't know them, but I, I understand, you know, where where we're at and where most people are at as far as some of these concepts are frightening, right? Potentially. Mm -hmm. And for other people, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just the way the world works. Like, what do you, you know, what do you expect? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, I had a question. You had something about the space race that that there's no information yeah. there. Is that something that um you're developing with that? Like because for you to emphasize that is a very specific thing is the space. Yeah. Um, and I think that that goes back into like the military and government service thing. I think uh, you know, if the earth isn't flat, I don't think the earth is flat, but I mean then and we can go to space and we have the technology, I think we should we should pursue it. Um I'm definitely someone who would be more inclined to believe that there were aliens and maybe even that they had a play in our race a long, long time ago. Um, but I'm not going to get into that politically necessarily mm -hmm. right now. Anyway, <laughs> who knows? Who knows when I'm on TV, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm but, curious. I feel like it, I'm, I guess I'm justified in asking this question um, yeah. because you did mention 9-11 and, and um, yeah. I haven't really delved in, my audience doesn't really know a lot about my views into um, this stuff. A lot of people from afar, maybe, maybe they wouldn't, 
label me as such and such. But I mean, I have free thinker in my title, so I'm clearly yeah. making a stance. And um, I welcome these so-called conspiracy theorists on my forum. I just think it's being a critical thinker. I just think conspiracy theorists has been um, characterized, mischaracterized as something that goes outside of the mainstream. Yeah. And, and then people discover what, years later, like there was a lot of validity to those um, views. Yeah. And what, what people, what happens with conspiracy theory, and it's all part of the vernacular and, and the hypnosis, uh, if you will. Um, it's, Conspiracy and theory are two different things. There are conspiracies. People conspire, right? Um, for better or worse. And then there's theories. And like I was talking about music, theory, right? So conspiracy and theory, you put them together. Like, this is my theory of a conspiracy people are doing, right? Mm -hmm. It's not much more than that. And some of these conspiracies are true. But it's with the repetition and the kind of... Uh, the negative stigma of conspiracy theorists, right? It it keeps people from looking down those rabbit holes. Like a lot of things, um, kind of a funny plug, but uh, back to the flat earth thing. I actually, I think it was like 2018 was when, was 2017, 2018, flat earth had this kind of like surge and like they got Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I fell asleep one night on the couch and some of the, some of the other stuff I was watching uh, was a little more, more spiritual oriented, but it, 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 de it, it left over into the, uh, the flat earth stuff. Um, I watched a lot of like psychology stuff and a lot of U S national archives. I, you know, I, I like my rabbit holes. Um, and some of the stuff about three or four episodes into this one particular channel, you know, there was information in there that I kind of knew to be true just from what I'd observed in the world didn't necessarily mean the earth was flat. And I think part of the reason someone like Kyrie Irving and, and this, and I encourage this type of thought, what he said, do your own research isn't because he necessarily thinks the earth is flat or I think the earth is flat. It's because there were other things in those videos if you opened your mind to at least laughing at it, you got, there was just, just little nuggets of information that changed how you thought or, or maybe perceived the world. There's that. <laughs> the question I was going to ask you was, um, what's your view about the whole, the moon landing back in the sixties? Um, because you, because you had that on your site, the space race of, because I'm I'm thinking like because a lot of people if you view this about um, building seven you know then what's your view on that? Um, um, you I'm not the possibility of that. I have reasons to think that maybe they maybe they staged it because mm -hmm. of how how technology was possible at the time. But I also at the same time like that's some of the some of those theories are just too way too much for me i could see maybe the logic behind staging it but i also don't uh like and we haven't gone back that's one like i'll give i'll give you that like we haven't gone back but is there a reason to go back too is the other part of it um i think we probably did land on the moon 
Um, I think, oh yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think people have showed me pictures of like their, their telescope and they've like found the flag or something. So I'm not, but, um, but I do agree with some of the, some of the stuff is really funny. Uh, actually I posted it on one of my personal accounts. Um, they, they lost all the data for the, to get to the moon, right? Like the math, like and this is this was like published in like in like the New York Times or something. This was like an or Washington Post, like a national, nationally accredited newspaper. Um, yeah, and because the, they were trying to go back and the, yeah, and, and NASA said, uh, if I could, if I was quick, I could find it. it they, they but their paraphrase like yeah, we lost it, we lost it all. We can't like someone asked if we could go back to the moon. It was 15 years later, and their cycle was that they deleted all like a certain amount of data and in like that data like cycle. It, it's really just silly um mm. so i think like i said i don't think the earth is flat the moon thing i could possibly see it being staged but i don't know man that's it, it also seems like there's a lot of people that'll come up with a picture of the flag on the moon um, mm -hmm. and i do know like there's things about sending a human body out of the atmosphere like the temperatures it gets in it um you know the types of metals that we have and have discovered there's some debate to be had there that we can even get out of our atmosphere with our body intact um, without mm -hmm. astral projecting. Woo. Uh, but, um, and, and so that's, and that's why I'd be interested in the space race. Cause I also, I've seen, um, have, I don't know if you ever heard of like the Gaia station and that, that they, they get, it's a, you can subscribe to it and it's, it's way pro alien stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and I, I apply my, I have, a, I have a, I have a thirds rule, uh, one third, and I, I learned this from an article, uh, an article I read, basically one third of what CNN and Fox say is bullshit. Another third is embellished truth. And then another third is just truth, right? So I okay. kind of apply that. I, I imply that even if I'm watching like InfoWars with Alex Jones. Right. right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, so the moon stuff, that's kind of how I look at it, I guess. Is. but yeah we need to get to space um like I, like i was saying with the reference in the guy channel sorry uh if if space is out there we it needs to be public knowledge there's no reason like my personal view is like if you found out that you were just totally wrong about everything as far as creation or outer space you know and and, and whatever like why you know would that really but you were still alive like would that would you go haul off and like you know murder your whole family no you're going to move on with your life and adapt. So I think with space, we need to explore it. I'm not a huge space nerd, you know, like some of these other people, but I think going to space is important if it's there, especially so, you know, you shut all the flat earthers up. Jesus. <laughs> it'd be a lot, it'd be a lot more interesting than, um, like you said, bombing other countries, killing people over. Exactly. Um, yes. It's really an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, and you don't know if you're going to find a peaceful society or if you're going to find an aggressive society. I would think from what from what I've learned in in the rabbit holes, I'll call them, uh, most most civilizations above us or where we're trying to get are very peaceful. Uh, we're you know we're not going to run into a lot of uh, controversy or war necessarily, but at the same time. There's always that balance to the universe. So, like I said, you you got to keep 
You got to keep your guard up. That's martial law. I think that's an important important thing to keep is martial law. Well, Mr. Gavin Bonnie, I'm glad that I interviewed you. And um, like I said, we'd love you to have you back as a part of um the presidential debate discussion later this summer if you'd um, be willing to participate in that as well. Yeah, I I'd be I'd be okay with that. Um, it'd be great, you know, get my voice out there. And uh, hopefully I can, hopefully this interview will get me, get me a little more attention and I, I put a little more focus back on the campaign. You know, I, you know, when there wasn't a lot going on over the winter, dealing with, dealing with some personal stuff. And, uh, but I, I do, I do feel compelled to pursue this uh, endeavor. <laughs> well, um, more power to you for sure. And um, I also want to ask if a viewer or, or subscriber or anyone else um, listener wanted to engage with you one-on-one and had a question for you or something, what would be the easiest way for that person to contact you? Um, as far as to, for, for being president and stuff, uh, Twitter, Twitter would actually be the best way. Um, I have, I do have two phones. Uh, one, I got like my personal Facebook and Instagram and stuff on. And then this one, actually I'm using for the interview. Uh, I keep my, you know, president stuff on do DoorDash and things like that. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's a private enough line. I am at the point where I don't have too much attention that I can't answer people's messages. Um, I do put my phones down, you know, when I'm in the gym or outside, but, uh, I, I try my best to respond and I try not to be a shithead, but I know often I am, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just reach out on Twitter, which uh, I I forget what it is. Hold on. I'll I'll link all that in the description. The, I'll awesome. link your Twitter and your Facebook, um, because I think I follow you on Facebook as well. Once, okay. I, know, I think you follow yeah. me first, and I follow you back, and then I start. And the Facebook, Facebook, the Facebook and Twitter account, especially the Facebook account, would be something that I would like to turn over to somebody. Um. Especially the because right now the Facebook account actually somehow kind of algorithmically got tied into my original account, so I haven't been using it because it gets it's just wonky, um, you know. And Facebook, I yeah, I'd rather I I'd like to get rid of my personal Facebook account to be honest. <laughs> the most, I, most I, I, I've deactivated quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, Twitter, I you know, tw Twitter like you said, it can be accessible, but it it's quick, it's easy. Sometimes it's nice, only the 140 characters and direct message is fine. Um, I don't, I don't bite, you know, uh, it'd be cool to hear from people that aren't robots. It was nice hearing from you. That's for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm going to make sure they, um, my audience can um, make sure if you um, click on Gavin's uh, page that, his um, website there as the Google Doc is accessible right there as soon as you click on his Twitter yeah. account. And you can, if you, if you highlight it, like the whole thing, and then post it like in your thing here, you can post that website as long as you do that whole weird link. Okay. Um, that, that will open the, the homepage. But like I said, for some reason, you just type in the domain name. Um, I don't think I've paid enough money for it yet. So, mm -hmm. so you know, it is what it is. And yeah, and the website, you know, it is it is meant to be a little funny and a little cryptic. Um, you know, some of you 
some of you people that were woke before woke became what it is now might get a good laugh out of a couple of them memes. Uh, I, yeah, you, I see you smiling. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed um, the site. It, it's a change um, from the from the conventional, but that's yeah. good, and that's kind of the way I wanted to um, configure this um, field of candidates. Um, I think yeah. it's going to end up being uh, seven people total in this yeah. presidential, this independent. Uh, presidential candidate field. Um, we have a libertarian, Mike Termot, who's running. Um, I think he's based in Virginia. He was in Florida, but now he's based in Virginia. Um, there's a fellow Oregonian, um, Brittany Jones. She's a running as unaffiliated, I think. And um, so you have unaffiliated. Um, Hashaki Knuckles is running as unaffiliated, I think. So we have lots of independents running. I haven't been able to get a green person um, present. And, and that's another thing about these campaigns. Um, I don't think some of these people are um, ambitious enough that the least that a person I think can do when you're operating outside of the duopoly is to accept invitations. Um, and yeah. I'm not going to call some people by names, but I've reached out to a lot of people. Um, and not just anybody. I've reached out to people who actually have views in the website. Um, I don't reach out to people just because they have their name on Ballotpedia. And so if you have views that I think or worth of looking into, I will reach out to you. But you'd be surprised how many people don't even respond um, when you send yeah. a message and you think that they want the extra visibility. So um, I'm glad that the people that I have contacted have responded and we've had great conversations. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm, ex I'm excited. I think I kind of look at it as something there, there's a tipping point or a line for me that of exposure that there's no way I could lose. Mm -hmm. right? um, but to get to that point, um, I'm, I think I'm a, a little ways from that point. But mm -hmm. I just, that, that's, of all the things I don't have confidence about, there's something I have this weird confidence about is that if I did somehow get to the national stage, I just don't think I could lose. I don't think it's possible. And I think that's what scares that's what scares the system. I mean, this is a force of a system as it is, but that's exactly the reason why they don't want more people there because they know that innately people would be gravitating towards other views, like automatically. Yeah. It's just a matter of those views being regular regular people with regular debt and regular problems. Mm-hmm. You know. It's a that's, powerful message. That's the majority of the country. Yeah, that's that's everybody, you know. Uh, I ain't a slave, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, sure. There are th there are theories that suggest I am though, and that's what we need to change. A hundred percent. We have um, a lot of people down the road on the forum. Um, Mr. Gavin Bonnet, we've talked over an hour and a half today, and we've learned a little bit more about Gavin's campaign and um, his run for president of the United States in 2024. And um, I urge all my listeners to consider um, their support behind independent minor party candidates um, that I have on the platform. I'm not going to endorse anyone in particular because I don't think it would be fair to anyone um, but me giving the voice to these people, I think is that's kind of my contribution yeah. um, to the, to the process. And then, you know, everyone else can kind of um, make their own decisions. But this is my way 
of um, kind of just exposing people and um, sort of operating outside of these paradigms. We have to do something about these existing paradigms and we can't just keep doing the same thing over and over. It hasn't worked um, in the past and it doesn't seem like it's gonna work in the foreseeable future. So um, that's kind of like my way of um, reaching out to independents, minor parties and just different points of view when it comes to politicking. But um, we have, I'm trying to think who we have next on the forum. Monday we have United for East Palestine, Palestine, um, Palestine, I think it's the way it's pronounced. Um, the people in Ohio who were affected by the development and the environmental um, problems that are persisted. We're gonna have some representatives on Monday to discuss that. Um, on Tuesday, we have Margaret Kimberly from Black Agenda Report. Um, to discuss three or four articles um, that she recently published in the month of March. We have Constance Every running for mayor of Knoxville as an independent. She was on the show in episode two. Um, we have my dad coming on for a special episode 50 in May. Um, so that tells you how many more episodes we have going on between now and episode 50. I mean, this is episode 37. So I have quite a few more episodes just this month. Um, with Margaret Kimberly, like I said, Constance Every, United for East Palestine, Medea Benjamin from Coping, Norm Finkelstein, um, a renowned professor for years. He was ousted from academia for a long time at DePaul University. They denied him tenure because of his views about um, Israel and Palestine, even though he's Jewish himself. <laughs> so there's a lot of that stuff going on with the canceling of people before it became popular as it is now. Um, we have activists from the state of Oregon coming on to the forum, and um, we just have a lot of activity going on. So please follow this particular channel on the YouTube channel and any of your favorite podcasting platforms. But beautiful people, um, this was a great episode 37 with Gavin Bonnie, and I hope you all have a beautiful day. Thank you.